Welcome to episode 54 of Story Mode, a video game podcast, the official podcast of StoryModeGaming.com. I am your giggling host, Jesse Munro, and today I'm joined by Keelan Simpson. I told, I read out your name as soon as you took a drink. I'm fine. I could speak. I was ready. Well, Ooh, look at me, mister. I can do two things at once. Wowza. Lauren McLean. What's up? What's up? And Simon Evans. Yo. How you guys doing? Yeah, good. Hot again. It it's is really hot. Mm, muggy. It's very, it's been awful here in WA. Like Hot clouds. Two days ago, I think it was something like 97% humidity. Guys, why do we talk about the weather so much? Because, because that's all hot. we have. It's the most basic shit you can talk about. It's so uninteresting. Can I just go off something? I am of the belief, correct me if I'm wrong, that 100% humidity should be underwater. Uh, like, it's rain. <laughs> Yeah. At what, like, when it gets to 100%, and sorry, I just clipped my audio because I'm that enraged by humidity. When it gets to 100% humidity, like, what's that? What's happening? Where are we at? Um, Can you go above 100%? You can't boil a kettle because the, the steam won't evaporate. Like, it won't, it won't uh, dissipate into the air properly. It will just sit there and there will just be a steam cloud hanging above your kettle for the rest of eternity. Terrifying. And the thunderstorms happen. <laughs> That's a... Dumbest thing I've ever seen this podcast. Does anyone else have a cat who is scared of rain? Um, cats don't like water, do they? Is that like a known well, not, not scared of water, but like scared of as soon as it starts raining, even when we had the sprinkler on and it hit the window, our, our little cat Jolly, the white one, gets an all like gets really low and like really carefully like like goes to where your feet are and sits underneath it, and he's he just he's terrified. Terrified of rain and storms, he will like sit in the middle of the kitchen in like a ball, and he will just like Aww. wait for safety. It's um, weird. When I when I lived at my mum's, um, the the chihuahua that she has, who's called Kitty. Hmm? Don't start. Um, Kitty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I've got two cats, but they're they're not afraid of rain or thunderstorms. Um, but yeah, Kitty, the dog. Mm. was terrified of thunder and it was always one of my favorite things is that sometimes you could fake it like sometimes just like one of the neighbors wheeling their bins out would sound enough like thunder that she'd start freaking out and she'd look at you waiting to see if you were like oh come here little baby if you just ignored her then she'd be like okay it's not thunder it's fine it's fine but she she used to freak out and she loved to sit with me specifically during the thunderstorms so i'd be on i'd be on discord with friends and they could just hear is that dog all right? No, she's hyperventilating. <laughs> My um, be fine. old be dog fine. used to do that. Um, his name was Max, and we got him on the the, the day after uh, New Year's Eve in two thousand. Uh, because he got scared, he must have got scared away from where he was living because of the fireworks. And the next morning, we saw him, and he was like pouring at our door. So we let him in, and we we went and we got him checked. Like, is he chipped? Did he have a collar? Nothing. He had nothing on him. So we're just like, well. Like we could put up, we'll put up flyers, but we'll look after you. No one came to claim him, so we're just like, okay, you're with us now. Mm. And he was deathly afraid of thunder and fireworks and stuff like Aww. that. Aww. I remember the first time we had a big storm. Um, it was only me home, and I was like, what, fifteen at the time, something like that. Um, had this big storm come over middle of the night, so I go to check on him, knowing that he kind of gets freaked out by loud noises. I can't find him everywhere. I'm going to freak out. Like, he's in a closed garage. Where could he go? He went up. So we had a ladder <laughs> leaning up, up against the wall. Okay. And you know how, like, a what garage a is a little bit, like, 
from the ceiling to the roof is like a little bit taller than in a normal inside the normal house because you drop mm-hmm. down to mm-hmm. like another foot in a bit. This ladder reaches the roof, and he's on the top, and he's he's a border collie. He's he's not small, and all you hear like over your shoulder is, <laughs> I was like, hey hey buddy, how how did you get up there? Also, how are we getting you down? Wow. <laughs> so that was the whole thing. So I, I remember just, I, I sat in the garage with him like all night because the storm just rolled over. And we both kind of just fell asleep in the garage together. Very, very cute. Mm-hmm. Cute. Cute. Good, 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 good little man. How's your week been? Keelan, what have you been up to? Yeah, good. My neighbor just came and spoke to my partner down at the washing line and was like, do you guys have a cat upstairs? I keep hearing a cat meowing and then someone imitating them straight after. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Been mocking my cat. So Keelan and I, we we have to we have to have like a lot of Zoom meetings and stuff throughout the week. And the amount of meetings we've had, like semi-serious meetings, and all you can backgrounds. And then Keelan's like, meow, meow, that's all you ever do. Meow. <laughs> I was thinking actually we should do a um, Yeah. No, I want to do that. an episode where we talk about um like the best pet companions in games. Hell yes. As an excuse to have our pets with us while we stream on Twitch.tv. .tv forward slash, slash story mode. Oz. Thank there you. you I was like, is it dot .com? No. Which is another reason you should come watch this because we record these live if you're listening to this on a podcast network or service or whatever you do. Anyway, I've lost myself a little bit. Yeah. Let's move on to a topic. Because this week we have a celebration. Four years of the Nintendo Switch, the little the little handheld console that could, the what the PS the PlayStation Vita should have been, <laughs> um, a console that I actually had no real belief in. I thought it was a bit too much, a bit too much of a jump for from traditional Nintendo fare. I am a I'm a bit of a dickhead, aren't I? Because here are some numbers before we just get into a few thoughts about the Switch. Sorry, Simon, what's up? What's up? Uh, I was just gonna say because I remember when the Switch was first announced, and I was like. Oh, I'm cautiously very optimistic about this. And I remember talking to several friends who were like, mm, nah, maybe not. And in fact, I did a I did a podcast on it, quote unquote podcast, on my YouTube channel at the time. Just yelling into the breeze isn't a podcast. Believe me, I've tried. <laughs> um, and yeah, I remember talking about it and it's like, oh, no, like, you know, everyone was like, oh, I don't know, maybe we'll have to see. And I'm like, no, nah, I, th- I think it's going to pull it off. I think Nintendo are going to pull it off. And now look, four years later. Well, I mean, I'm shocked that you got hyped for an Nintendo project as well. I know, right? Crazy. <laughs> Sorry, Who would have thought? Uncharacteristic. <laughs> I know. Here are some numbers uh, as per tweaktown.com um, regarding the Nintendo Switch. So the Switch is the fifth best-selling Nintendo hardware platform of all time with 79.87 million units sold. Uh, that trading, trailing the GBA, the Wii, the Game Boy, and the DS but expected to pass surpass at least the Wii in the next few years, which is crazy when you think about mm. every person who has a Wii. There's a lot of them. Ask EB Games' back catalog, backstash. There's a lot of Wiis. Mm-hmm. Um, six first-party titles have sold 20 million units, and nine of the top 10 best-selling Switch games have moved over 10 million copies. Uh, the five highest being Mario Kart 8 Deluxe with 33.4 mil. Uh, Animal Crossing... New Horizons with 31.1, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate 22.8, Breath of the Wild 21.4, and Pokemon Sword and Shield at 20.3. Mm. 
This has been a good console. Those yeah. are high numbers. They Damn. are. They mm. are goddamn big numbers. Um, I think everyone with like working from home and stuff like that, it's definitely caused a boon. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, especially like that's that's why New Horizon is that high, that fast because mm. everyone it was that perfect song which we've discussed in past podcasts and stuff like that. Um, and I mean. Will that continue with the uh, Switch 2? We had a few more detail, leaked details about the Switch Pro or the Super Switch. Switch. It's whatever. I don't I like that. Switch. I, I, I like that. Kind of love Switch it. Pro. Super Switch. To, to, to which? Huh? Huh? That's uh, what we're on. Forget right about now. it. No. Like, like the number two? Because what? I, I don't even think it's actually a true. Um, uh, sequel? Is that the word I'm looking for here? A true um, successor. Is, a true successor, thank you. Sequel. God damn, I'm, I'm dumb with words. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like this is like a PlayStation 4 to a PlayStation 4 Pro. This isn't the big leap yeah. forward. Yeah. yeah. So we're getting, from, again, from the leak, and this is the top of my head, we need OLED screen, um, which is a little bit bigger, so the bevels, the bezels around the edges would be smaller. Um, basically, the picture quality will be about the same. But the colors will be a lot more dynamic. It's the same screen we got on the PlayStation Vita, which is the best screen I've ever seen in the handheld by far. So mm. this is going to be good. It's a good screen. Um, hey, do you remember how last week I was talking about Nintendo fixing their screen to make it visible outdoors in every mm. type of yep. condition? Yeah. Well, they listened. O- OLED will do that. I I like the idea they were about to ship out the like the new Switch with the old screen. They listened to the podcast and said, yes. stop oh, the press. Yeah, hang a on a lever. second. <laughs> In the in the Willy Wonka factory how that is Nintendo. Years, how many years between the Game Boy and the Game Boy Advance SP? <laughs> oh God, they're friends of the show, so of course they're friends of the show. It's true. Um, better battery life, and also it's going to be running 4K when running through a TV, which would be really cool for games like you know Breath of Wild 2 and maybe some sequels to some games we're about to talk about. Because today, what we're going to focus on are a few. Our personal gems on the Nintendo Switch that aren't first-party Nintendo games. Originally, we were just going to do, you know, what were their favorite Nintendo games? But let's face it, we've talked about Pokemon and Zelda a fair bit lately. Mm. So let's break that up a little bit. Simon, good save with that one. Um, so yeah, Not just the pretty face. A little bit of extra, extra attention. Um, and Simon, mate, you can go first. All right. What you got? I'm leading off with Oxpath Traveler. I have mentioned it several times. Um... And overall, I think it is one of the best RPG experiences ever. Just plain and simple. Um, the story overall is um, not the strongest point, but the main thing is that you have eight characters, eight main characters that you can play as. Um, you can have four in your party at any given time, and you can cycle through the majority of, uh, of your party to play through everyone's story. So, for example... Um, you have Ophelia, the cleric, um, and you can, you know, start off with her and do her first chapter, chapter one. And then you can, you know, once you've done that, you can go to the next town over and find the next character, pick up their quest and do their chapter one and add them to your party. And you can do that for all eight characters. Oh. And it's just so fun. The combat. Is great and oh, I just love it. I love everything about so it. So you don't start off the game as picking like one of the eight storylines. You start off as a character and then pick up additional storylines as you go. Yes. Yeah. Ah, interesting. I didn't realize that. Now, 
sorry, you said the story is a little bit lacking. Yeah, um, so in, in the lacking, sense that, like, they don't interconnect the stories a huge amount. That's what I was going to uh, say. Is it? Do you think it's because of the eight stories that yeah. it becomes lacking? I, I think so. I think it's because they went, hey, look, we've got eight fun stories. Oh, cool. Can we interweave them? Mm, not really. We can sort of throw in a little bit here and there and then have like a final secret thing at the end once you do all eight characters' um, full stories and sort of throw in a bit of extra content at the end. Mm. But it doesn't so- really tie it all together. And everyone's story is independent to them. You do get a banter. Mm. As it's called, I think it's like travel banter. Mm. Um, oh, it's actually your, called banter. I thought yeah. that was just, you would just call it banter. It's actually called banter in the game. Yeah, yeah. Huh, um, like yeah. when you when you reach certain areas, you have like sort of um, companion banter. It's really fun, and there's some really like iconic lines it, of dialogue. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's really cool. So, for example, um, one of the ma- one of the characters, Tressa, the merchant. She's like 18. She's only ever lived in this one little town with her family who run a shop, and she is determined to go out and you know make as much money as she possibly can and stuff like that. And you know she's a good person, kind-hearted, and um, very very innocent. And then there's the dancer, um, Primrose, who. That's dancer, as it were, quote unquote. Um, more, more than just someone who's very good at dancing. Um, and there's a particular sort of quest line where, uh, there's, there's mention of a brothel. And <laughs> one of the banter things you can get with Tressa is Tressa going, what's a brothel? Aww. <laughs> and Primrose is just like, you don't need to worry, sweetheart. It's okay. <sighs> and so it's innocent. just so sweet and so silly at the same time. And do the, sorry, do the characters play very differently? Um, so you've got uh, four main roles that people fill, and um, you, I guess, sort of you've got your noble actions and your, um, I think it's like rogue actions. So. You can. It's it's quite cool because you can interact with the overworld and the NPCs in different ways depending on which characters you have. Um, but there's a class customization option, so everyone has their base class. So, for example, Cyrus is the scholar, um, and he will always be a scholar. But you can unlock extra classes, and he can pick up. So you can make him into a. You can make him subclass into a warrior. So he's quite tanky. And can do lots of physical damage. Even if he is mostly focused on being able to do spells initially, you can still make him turn into a warrior. Uh, Therion, the thief. Um, being a thief, you know, he's the very... The dark brooding one that everyone wants to have sex with. Oh, yeah, for some reason. Um, <laughs> like, sorry, I thought you you went to say bang, and then you went to say have bang with. I, see, like, I was have going to say something sex. else, actually, that went a less... <laughs> You get one every episode. You could say it. This could be your I'm one. I'm saving to say it. it for my game. <laughs> <laughs> I'll um, say it then to do a fuck with. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, so with with that in mind, like um, Therion, for example, being a thief, he's you know quite focused on dodging enemy attacks, and he has a few buffs that he can use to make himself dodge. And you can also put him into the warrior class, for example, and he becomes a really good dodge tank. He's very very good. Um, you've got. Um, like Ulbrich, who starts off as the warrior, and you can subclass him into um, the apothecary, who you know gets some healing and stuff like that. So he's got all of a sudden, like, he's essentially like a paladin, 
in the sense that, you know, he does a fuck ton of damage and he's a really good tank, but he can also heal and maintain himself and stuff like that. And then there's four secret jobs as well, which you have to defeat hidden bosses to unlock. And they are so fucking powerful. It's so fun. There's just so much of this game that I just adore. If I just absolutely love this game. Did you, did you finish it? Um, I finished all characters' storylines and then I'm on to the hidden stuff that you do post-game. But I'm mm. severely underleveled, so I still need to grind. Oh, that was my oh. biggest problem. I think I had um, maybe five out of the eight characters, um, mm. and I was in the starting zone for one of them. And I just kind of, I just went out of the wrong direction of a of a town, where I think it was like left is where you come in, and that was kind of okay. I was like just like kind of going by that one, but mm. then the other direction was like. 40 levels higher or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, no. And I got I got stuck because I didn't realise till about, you know, a bit way through after I'd, like, left, some, like, escaped some battles. And, um, oof, it was really hard to try and come back and, like, get into it and be like, all right, I'm going to get back and I'm going to do this. I think that's where I fell off. It's um, I have a, a quick question, Simon, about the game as a whole. As a lapsed JRPG fan, there's a lot of tedium involved with, the genre typically so this game a modern game that's released on the switch only does it still have a lot of that kind of stuff in it or is it more accessible or is i think it's i think it's more accessible it's definitely one of the more accessible jrpg experiences um you you're never really forced to grind until post game um and there's plenty plenty of clever tactics and stuff that you can think of. One of my favorite things about the game is the combat system itself, where kind of borrowing, because it was the same, a lot of the same development team that made Bravely Default and Bravely Default 2 were on board for Octopath Traveler. And the boost system is kind of borrowed from the Brave and Default system of Bravely Default, um, where every, every turn that you don't boost, you gain a boost point. <clears throat> and so... What you can do, <laughs> uh, what you can do is you can um, essentially wait until you've got four boosts saved up, and you can spend all four boosts in one go, and you basically get four turns, or you supercharge mm. your attacks, and it's just awesome. Some of the shit you can pull off when you do that, you can um, do a you know a wide AOE thunder spell boosted four times that completely shatters the enemy's defenses um which is another thing as well which is breaking enemies so um enemies will have weaknesses your standard sort of jrpg weaknesses like oh the water cloud is weak to thunder sort of thing <laughs> and if you hit it with a thunder spell what? hey look it's broken its shield a little bit and if you break it um you completely deplete the number and break the enemy you do extra damage so one of the best things to do is you break the enemy with, for example, a character that can do the damage to the shield, but maybe doesn't have enough firepower to do a huge amount of damage. And then your next character that goes, you fully boost and do your ultimate ability and just like 900 million damage on one enemy and shit like that. It's just, ugh, I just love the game. <laughs> this, Well, I mean, I was going to say this, if I had to, pick a game that represents you Simon it would be this because technical JRPG you're all about them the art style is very so, much up your alley the art style so of this good. game is it is stunning it is art mm. um, 
And the, the I know you, you're very fond of the soundtrack, this one. Which was robbed. Well, was robbed. Actually, actually, wait, can we, we have a quick, uh, quick discussion on this? Because you've been wanting to discuss this literally since the first episode, okay? So I'm going to give you a few, <laughs> few minutes, okay? When we first had that playing at the first episode of Story Mode, um, we put out ideas and we were, we were going to, we had like 15 different ideas and one of them was, Basically, Simon would say, how can I talk about <laughs> Octopath Traveler being robbed from an award? What award? It was a Game Awards. It, it, um, yeah, it was the Game soundtrack. Awards Best Soundtrack. 2018? Um, 20, yeah. 2018. And it lost to a game very fond of. It lost Red Dead to Redemption 2. Red and it shouldn't have. State, because- state your case. <laughs> Put it on the spot. Okay. So, I think, honestly, and I, I mean this completely sincerely, that Octopath is one of the most dynamic and inventive soundtracks ever to grace the gaming landscape. Ever. Every character's, every character's got their own- Not a big call there at all. Huh? Not a big call there at all. Ah, I stand by it. Um, every character's got their own leitmotif, so obviously their own theme that plays during you know, important character development moments and certain story beats and stuff like that. Um, however, there's also very specific boss music. So one uh, for each of the main bosses that you fight. Um, so def- like decisive battle one, two, and um, then you have like the final one, which is really good because the way that it works is you'll have the character's leitmotif playing beforehand. And then the way the game slowly, because it's it has to loop to allow you to read all the dialogue and go through everything and blah, blah, blah. And then once it's ready to start the fight, it has like this awesome interlude, which is, again, unique to every character, which will transition perfectly and so fucking smoothly from the song that you had, which was the character's song, into the boss battle music. And it is incredible the way that this is pulled off. And it's... It's flawless every time. Every single time it is completely flawless. Um, the, the battle themes are among some of my favorites ever. Um, I think Battle 3 is incredible. Just the generic battle music in the third like areas you go to are just so fucking cool. Sorry, just real quickly. We've been talking about a few... Uh, tangent, real quick. Go on. <laughs> I'm going into a tangent on a tangent. Okay. Um, as soon as you say battle music, I'm trying to think of battle music in my head, and the only thing I can play is we've been talking about future armor a lot lately. The music that plays when Zoidberg and Fry are fighting in the <laughs> fighting in the arena. <laughs> and that's all I can, that's all I can hear, and then just the part where Fry is like, "There's a reason we are friends. One reason to get this arm cut off." All I can hear that, dun, 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 dun. Uh, and I know it's from something else. It's from like a film or something. But yeah. that's been going through my head for like at least Sorry. the last ten minutes. <laughs> I just need to get it out of my system because as soon as it's a battle three, I'm like, I know battle three. Dun, 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 dun. Oh no! Oh, you know, and you know, I'm gonna do an edit now where I'm gonna get footage from the game. I'm gonna play that music over it. Oh no! Oh dear. But I'm sorry, Simon, go, go on. Anyway, um, the environmental themes as well, I think, are really, really awesome. Like, I honestly do just listen to the full soundtrack from time to time. Um, the, this game is, like, there's so much just pure love poured into it. Um, even to the point where the character names um, spell out the first initial, like, the first letter of every character's name spells out Octopath. Oh, it's like Del Toro Quest. <laughs> with all the, with all, the, all the all the rocks. But 
<laughs> I think if, if you can sum up this game with, with in one word, it's charming. Oh yeah, it is an utterly charming game to the point like it has enraptured me. I don't, I don't like that. It's not the type of game that I normally play, but I played a fair bit of that demo and. Yes, that's the other thing. Um, I, I always toy with the idea of getting it. Uh, you absolutely should. It is on available on PC as well, but um, yeah, for, it was initially released as a Switch exclusive. I actually do have the collector's edition sort of behind me over over there. Um, I yeah, the second I saw the trailer for it, I'm like, oh, I'm interested in this game. I played both demos. I sped run. The second demo, the the more full version, which basically it lets you play every uh, character's first uh, chapter, and then you can delete your save and do the next characters, and then delete the save and do the next one, and so on and so forth. And um, I ended up speed running it, so I collected all eight of the characters um, at once, so ready for the full game to come out. That was really fun. Um, I, I don't normally do any speed run sort of stuff, but that was that was a really fun little time. And yeah, I just every everything about this game is just awesome. There's just so much about it, which is fun and clever and inventive, and it reinvents the wheel in its um, in its own little way. And it's a love letter to all the classic Final Fantasy games as well. It just does so much right. I absolutely adore this game. Well, let's move on to a game that uh, Lauren adores. <laughs> It's Tumble me. Seed. Tumble seed. Tumble seed. All right. Well, let us discuss. Let us talk. So, Tumble Seed is a. Um, it's like an indie action kind of roguelike kind of a game, right? So, let me just bring up some gameplay. Because um, it's it's kind of hard to describe. But so it's it's a. Uh, and it press play. I, I mean, I watched some video of this game, and it's not. It's not what I expect. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, you're basically you're playing as a seed who, for some reason, is a special seed, and he has to like fulfill the prophecy um, of getting to the top of the mountain and stopping all the creatures that are coming down the mountain to come and destroy the the cities, um, the cities that uh, live well on the mountain. So you play as, on this like horizontal line that you control with the two thumbsticks on the switch um, to gain momentum, but also to like balance your seed as you, as you go through the environment. Um, so there are, there are enemies, there are holes. If you go, if you fall into a hole, you lose hearts, that kind of stuff. If you hit enemies, you lose hearts. Um, and yeah, so you just kind of got to traverse these procedurally generated, the keyword for the time, I think <laughs> procedurally generated, um, biomes, basically. I think there's like four or five different biomes um, to get to the top and, yeah, beat the game. Um, however, there was an issue with this game where that no one could beat it. Um, so it was really, it was a really big critique at the time it came out. So it came out around May um, in 2017, just after the Switch did come out. And a lot of the... Um, kind of talk behind it was that, yeah, no one could actually finish the game. Um, and the reviews were, were stating as such, saying it was like unapologetic and it was just far too difficult. The learning curve was very steep. Um, and yeah, like, I guess like the kind of the same thing with all roguelikes, right? Is like you, 
you have a, you start off, you have a goal at the end, but there's no real checkpoints in the middle to kind of, for you to pause and like think about what you're going to do next. Like games like um, Wizard of Legend and Dead Cells and all this kind of stuff, like those really, those really difficult ones, like you, it's hard to kind of just get through it, you know, like in, in um, a big, a big session or get far in it in like a big session of gaming. So yeah, a lot of people were just saying that it was just far too difficult to actually like really get into it. Um, is it difficult because of the, the thing that blows my mind about this is like you said that horizontal line where you control your mm-hmm. seed mm-hmm. like balance beam. is controlled with the two um, analog sticks yeah. is it because of that because that seems like a very iffy mechanic uh, it was a combination of um, as you go up the biomes obviously enemies well they just like in every other game they get diff- get more difficult they get um, harder to kill. There's more of them. And also they have these holes in the middle of the screen, right, that you can fall into. And when you fall into them, you fall back down the level, kind of like, um, I keep thinking like pinball. It's not really pinball, but it, it's, it's a. Uh, There's like little like hand maze things, like yeah, little metal ball. That's what yeah, it reminds you of. Yeah, like that, the multi-level mazes. Yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, you kind of you fall in like there's holes everywhere. You got to kind of like go go around the holes and also get around these enemies and all that. And there are kind of base camps that you get to wait um, as you get through the different biomes. So it was like there was, um, I believe before I call it lobotomized <laughs> before it was lobotomized. Um, I think there was maybe two or three stages to each biome where you'd reach like this 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 fence that would lead to like a little city where you could kind of buy, um, there was like side quests. You could, I think you could buy supplies like crystals. Um, cause that was like your main form of currency to power up. Um, and you could do like these random, you could do gambling. <laughs> there was like a spinning wheel that you would spend crystals. And if you landed on the right one, you'd get a butt ton of crystals back. Um, yeah. And just little upgrades to get, and then you'd get into the next section and you would try and go up there to get to the next biome. And I think that as you kind of went a bit further on, it was just almost impossible to really get around everything at once, like the holes, the enemies, plus um, navigate your power-ups. So, like, your seed has, I think it's what makes him special specifically. He has four different abilities. So he's just a regular seed, for one. It's called a flag seed, where um, there are these... Oh, bring it back. There are these um, little diamond sections on the on the map that you roll over, and when you roll over them, that's kind of like the next level of power up. So uh, you use your crystals to use the little diamond kind of section as a power up. So if you've got um, crystals as a flag seed, you roll over it, you put up a checkpoint. So that's really what you got to aim for. Is you kind of you got to get like halfway up the mountain and plan a checkpoint. So when you fall through the holes, you don't fall any further than the checkpoint you've already done. Um, however, trying to like remember to do that, it was one of the hardest things. <laughs> um, but then there was also a crystal seed where once you roll over the diamond platforms, it would give you crystals after like maybe three seeds or so, um, a three of the diamond platforms, I mean. And then there was one where you grew spikes to pierce and kill your enemies that were around you. But um, if you got hit at all, you'd lose all your spikes. So, like, your seed could have, like, a 
a constant rotation of one or two spikes or it could be covered in them. But if you ever got hit or fell down a hole, you just lose everything instantly. And there was also a heart one, which after four different platforms, so four crystals for the cost of four crystals, um, you would gain an extra heart, which would be good, extra life. But... Yeah, and there were all these ones you could collect along the way, like the flail seed and the bomb seed and ones that flooded the holes. So if you ran over the holes, they would just be flooded and full of water so you didn't what? fall into them. I but- saw in a review there are 30 different, like, perks you can get. Mm-hmm. So that would be, like, the flail and the spike yeah, seed. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of, kinda like, um, adding into the roguelike element of it, of, like, going into a level. Um, and some of them cost a buttload. So, like, some of them you'll go, you'll just be starting off, you'll head into, like, this secret it's like shop, like a shop kind of midway through, but you've got to roll towards it. <laughs> um, and there would be seeds there that would be really helpful, but they cost like eight eight crystals. And you're nowhere near even making that yet because you, you know, you haven't got the momentum up. Um, the earlier levels don't give you as many crystals. They're just kind of randomly lying around. You kind of, you kind of um, ask to rely on your four main seeds at the start. Um, so, yeah, like it was... It was a good. It was a good game. So I, I played it when it first came out. Really excited to play it. Um, and within the first few months of these negative reviews saying they were too difficult, they brought out this new um, update, which they called the Four Peaks update. Which, like I said, basically lobotomized it. <laughs> it yeah. kind of took out the charm and the like the community that was really trying to reach the top before they put in this update. Um, just being in that community was always so much fun of all these people being like, I got this far and, you know, I, I had seven hearts and then I lost six of them in like this one little section because it's all procedurally generated. So, you know, you don't know Some what, of the, quite a, a what game's you're going to get. Difficulty is part of its charm. And like, it doesn't mm. really work with me for a lot of games, but like, think of like Soulsborne games. Like people talk about how many times it took to play to beat a certain boss. Yeah. And so like, Oh, it took me fifty goes to beat this this certain boss. Nobody's like, "Oh, you suck." It's like, yeah, I, it took me thirty. Like, I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of a community as a whole trying to work up the mountain and giving each other ideas. Yes. Literally, up kind the of mountain. sucks that it was, it was there- weakened. I wish it was like a mode or something like that would be cool. Yeah. yeah, is there a way that you can access that old version still? Nah. Like, there's it's no gone. way. Damn it! it no, nah, yeah. it's gone. Um, so now what they have is that uh, there's four different well, peaks basically they're the same biomes but it's a much it, it's kind of like a stopping zone so like instead of before how it, it was this kind of little town where you could quickly get supplies and then go on from there i think it's a place to like save the game walk away come back and be like cool so i'm three quarters up the mountain you know instead of like i've got to start uh, from the start and try and get all the way to the top okay. before there yeah. um but they also brought another modes which are kind of cool like there's like a king of the hill um where I think it was uh, every day or every week or something like that, you would it was unlimited mountain. So it's like a, a vertical up and down kind of map. Um, unlimited mountain, you try and get as high as you can, and there was like a global leaderboard. So like you try and hold that crown of who got the highest but, um, before it ended or before, you know, before the week was over and all that. And, um, yeah, just community leaderboards for the same kind of thing or just playing playing the game the same kind of thing but... I picked it up recently um, and it just didn't feel the same, you know? Like, you know, like what you said, like when a game's hard and you're like, dude, I'm getting there, like I'm getting into it. It's going to be really good. 
But then, like, I picked it up and I got to, like, it was just too easy to kind of get to the first little peak. And I was like, really? I feel like this took me so long when I was first playing it. And now I'm kind of like, eh. At the same time, I kind of understand the whole, so it's something like, when it first came out, you need to beat the whole thing in one sitting, basically. It's yeah. already a game you can just pause and come back to. I kind of get that doesn't work well with the Switch of all consoles. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like there should be a different mode, like an arcade mode, where you could just do, you have multiple save points, after each biome you can save it and come back to it. Yeah. Um, for like, you know, you're on the train or go to work or whatever. Mm. But I, I like the idea of just like, can you can you conquer the mountain? Like, because the game has like a law to it, like you said, like you, yeah. it's like a, it's a, prophecy. A, um, a prophecy. It'd be cool if you actually had to fulfill that prophecy. And like a prophecy doesn't say that you died and came back, you know, mm-hmm. and respawned in a town. Yeah. You actually have to make your way all the way up. Something I really like about this game, though, when you describe it, if you just describe it to me and I hadn't seen the game before, graphically, I imagine it looking like Carrion. <laughs> um, <Yep>. Real kind <laughs> of gritty and just, like, slimy and bleh. Yeah. But it looks like Patapon. Yeah, it's cute. And I really, I, I really, really like the art style of this game. It's cute as hell, yeah. It's, it's adorable. You're like a little seed, little, a little seed with an eye. It looks at like the... um. The logo from um, Welcome to Night Vale. To pl- <laughs> because apparently I'm going to plug other podcasts. God damn it. Um, they're big. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's fine. They uh, but yeah, it looks like the Night Vale, the Night vale thing. This game looks really adorable. Is it pricey? Um, No. I believe it's probably Ooh. somewhere around the $20 mark. Um, Ooh, okay. And the unfortunate thing that I actually I read as I was kind of re-researching this title was the developer. So the developer is... Um, one, well, it's, it's, so it's a group of guys, sorry, but his name is Benedict Fritz, Benedict Fritz. And he stated in interviews. So after the, after a month after the release is when they were working on trying to make the game less difficult. Like it literally took like a month, like for everyone to kind of say, don't play this because it's too hard. You know, the people who were, who'd picked up at the start gave their own little reviews of it, obviously, but these big kind of, these big places i can't think of the word basically was like just it's it's overwhelming there's too much the you know it's it's way too difficult um so they when they released this four peaks update they couldn't bring they couldn't recoup the costs basically like oh. all the money they lost from the negative or you know semi negative publicity didn't come back from them making it easier for like kind of a, a bigger audience so that's what yeah. really sucks about it. Because I thought it was like a really, really cool little game. I followed it for a little bit. I was really excited when it came out. Because like I said, it came out a few months after the Switch did. A couple months after the Switch did. But yeah, it, I don't know. It was, it's the, I, I really enjoy, I feel like in real life, I'm very good at balancing. And I don't know if that corresponds what to a, like What a weird flex game. to pull on a podcast because <laughs> we can't prove that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, just like the, um... The satisfaction. For those listening at home, Lauren's actually on a tie rope right now. I Chat, am. be cool. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm balancing on one toe. It's great. Um, <laughs> the momentum of going on this like vertical board, like up and down the mountain to try and get, we'll get through all these obstacles, get to the start because you've, it's not just like, you know, left and right, but it's also like balancing against the momentum that comes with it. That, um, you know, if, if, if you're like, well, I've got to get through this little section here, so you're going to tilt it completely, like, up and down. As soon as you flick it back, your seed's going to roll the other direction quicker than you thought it will, and then it goes down a hole, and then you're, you're ruined. So, um, but yeah. Um, also, just before we move on to um, 
the the next game we have on our list. Mm-hmm. Can I just give us all a, a round of applause for not making any jokes about Seed? Yep. Look, I'm well not going to lie, I did think it a couple of times. <laughs> I saw you there, Jesse. I saw <laughs> how you were struggling, and well done. Thank you. Oh Thank gosh. you. I almost yeah, made no. it to the end, but then I had to bring it up. I'm I'm proud too. Yeah, a couple of times I said like, you know, you got to move, got to move your seat, and then I went, stupid, stupid game. Ugh, Oh uh, dear. What what do you what do you, what do you like about Switch? What are you even playing on Switch? Um, well, one of the games I think that was for me, um, it changed how I viewed the Switch and what I what I thought it was capable of. It's the port of Diablo three onto the Switch. Diablo 3 is a game from 2012. It's originally released released then, 2013. It came out on the 360 and PS3 and so on and so forth. It came out on basically every console generation since. So, of course, it received the Switch port in uh, 2018, end of 2018. And um, I am a huge Diablo fan. You guys heard me speak about it last week. You You know what it is. It's great. It's just the dungeon crawler. You loot, you kill things, you pick up loot. It's really satisfying. Um, and Diablo 3 is the most streamlined version of that sort of gameplay loop that you, you could pick up today. Um, I picked up Diablo 3 because I'm like, yeah, I could see myself playing this. I just bought a Switch um, on on the um, the promise of another game, actually, which I might mention afterwards, but... We'll talk about that later. I just picked up you the Switch. You might. Of course you will. Um, I might. I might. Um, <laughs> I picked up the Switch and um, I needed some more games to play with it after finishing Zelda, of course. And Diablo 3 was next on the list. And wow, this is a revelation because it taught me something about the Switch. And it it opened up the idea of the Switch port to me. Diablo mm-hmm. 3 is a perfect port, if you ask me, on the Switch. It's it runs basically flawlessly. It barely slows down. Um, the compromises to the visuals are obvious, but it is also reasonable and it looks good. Um, it has all the same control, which is the most incredible thing. And it's got extra stuff added into it to make it sort of yeah. suit the switch. The number one thing that I want to point out, the, the major benefit is being able to play Diablo with Joy-Cons, single Joy-Cons. They've worked out the control scheme with the limited amount of buttons that you have on a single Joy-Con, so you can sit I didn't there. I do that. Yeah, it's on a single on Joy-Con. On a single Joy-Con, yeah. and it's huh. it's kind of ingenious. It's oh. a little bit sometimes. There's a few tricks you've got to learn, like how to access your menu and that kind of thing. There's button combinations you have to push, but it becomes second nature before long because you're doing it okay. so often. <laughs> combo of buttons to access the menu <laughs> i would fuck up so many times <laughs> well um yeah oh, that, that is that is one of the frustrating things about playing diablo split screen um you're kind of ruining the fun for everyone else if you're screwing up in the menu but in any case the <laughs> fact that you can do it is incredible like you can sit there with just your single switch console that you brought to your friend's house or something you know plug it into the tv or you can do it in tabletop mode even it's it's not fun because the screen is so small but yeah. still that's but an there, incredible thing to to have what, so keelan are you telling me that unlike the original nintendo switch ads you've never brought your nintendo switch to a party set it up and had a group of friends adult friends on a new york rooftop for some reason like in the ad 
crowd around that that little screen no, playing no, no. multiplayer Absolutely. games like Diablo. I'm not a loser. All the time. Why did I invite these goddamn parties? <laughs> just Nintendo Switch parties. <laughs> yeah, that's happened, Jesse, every time I whip out the Switch. That's what happens. So, <laughs> moving back to Diablo, um, it's the same game. Um, it's just sort of the the um, a collection. So, it's the Diablo 3 base game as well as the um, the expansion pack, Reaper of Souls. And the Necromancer DLC as well, which came yeah. out in 2017. They've been adding to this game for like five years, which is ridiculous. They haven't added anything more, thank God. But anyway, it all just comes together in this perfect mode. This this is the kind of game that is so replayable. And the key thing for me is that it's the kind of game you can pick up, you can play for 10, 15 minutes, and then you can put it down. You finished your play session. Now, playing on a console playing on your pc it doesn't really sort of work too well with that but playing on your switch man you can just put that baby back into sleep mode chuck it on the dock and walk away and continue on your day it is a revelation it's absolutely incredible um there are other games similar that have that pick up and play kind of vibe like hades um, other roguelikes and metroidvania type experiences you know but diablo 3 just really it's like the the way the game's meant to be experienced and there have been so many Switch ports since, um, both before and since, like Skyrim, for instance, which is just yeah. That, that's fantastic. what I was I was going to bring up. Mm. Um, like, yeah, I, I think you raise a perfect point about it, sort of opening up Switch ports as a genuinely viable option. Because, I mean, I sort of laughed when it's like, oh yeah, Skyrim's coming to the Switch. It's yeah. Like, oh fuck, here we mean. go. Like, everyone, everyone had a bit the of a prophecy deal. has been foretold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was foretold back in. 2012 or whatever yeah you know as a joke um but it it genuinely i think the portability of the switch in and of itself lends itself incredibly well to replaying some of these slightly older console games um and i i think diablo 3 is a is a perfect example of that and i think also skyrim itself like skyrim the best way to play that is on pc with a whole fuck ton of mods but if you want the best, game. if you want the best vanilla experience, I think it's on the Switch, hands down. Really? Yeah. The best See, vanilla I, I Skyrim kind of, experience is absolutely on the Switch. I kind of look at ports on the Switch a little differently, where it's some stuff ports over brilliantly, and just like looking at Diablo, one of the things I'm really um, kind of blown away by. Yeah, graphically, all games can take a little bit of a hit. That's fine. You really, I don't think. Uh, personally, I don't play the Switch for the graphics. I play it because I can play on the go. That's its, its selling point. The animation is really smooth. That actually looks really like pleasant on the eyes. Yeah. Seeing your little dude jump around, like that looks. looks Diablo right. runs at but I think there are some, the some games that shouldn't be ported. Overwatch, for example. I love that it could be done. In, in theory, it's really cool. Same with Apex Legends. I imagine it's going to be not going to be great. First person shooters don't really translate very well to the Switch for me. It's cool that it can be done. Should have been done. Eh, maybe don't stress yourself too much about that one. Like, do I do I need to play Doom Eternal on a Switch? No, I don't think anyone's going to be too stressed about it. But the if point that didn't happen. The point is, but it's cool that, that it can you happen. can do it, and it's yeah. not a bad experience. It's almost like on parity as far as the experience that you're having, not visually, of course, but with other consoles like the base Xbox One. Yeah. And I, I think my eyesight's real bad. I can't see the screen. To, oh, it's like right by me. <laughs> but I, I do think that is a sort of a, a key thing to talk about is the fact that oftentimes importing something to the Switch 
isn't of detriment. It's not like the other versions of the game suffer or you remove anything from that because it's coming to the Switch. It's yeah. They exist in their own little bubble and then the Switch port exists in its own little bubble because everyone's aware. Graphics aren't going to be as good. The frame rates aren't going to be as high or whatever. But hey, you can play it on the go. So this is whatever the I see. I was like, get. Uh, this is like cool, cool flex. Not yeah. on Switch. I, I, didn't yeah. I didn't think you could do that, but you've done it. All right. Yeah. What's next? Like, what what other game can you run? Um, now, Witcher Three. Yeah, like, you uh, kind want- of focused on. What's that going? Oh, I wanted to mention that other little game real quickly, just real quickly. Oh no, no, but, no I'm going to we'll oh, get yeah. to that okay, your next sure, game in, sure, in a moment. Sure. I've got some other question about Diablo because you kind of focus on the port aspects of it, the, the fact that it could even come to Switch. The game itself, this is the one that introduced the dodge roll, right? Well, the console versions have a dodge roll implemented on the right this stick one does of the it. controller. So yes, this does. All oh, this con- does. Okay, all cool. console versions of Diablo Three have that. So. Is the pure way to play Diablo because I'm still I want to play Diablo now because after the, we spoke about Diablo two last week on the podcast I've had a bunch of people kind of get mad at me for never playing Diablo and I'm still trying to work out I've gotten conflicting reports of where I should start with either two wait for two or do I play three what is the pure what is the pure version of Diablo and then other question is what's the right one for me because that could be two different answers the pure version of Diablo is Diablo two but. Diablo, Jesse, I know you, and I know what your attention span with games. I'm a are real like. basic bitch. You, you, you got to Diablo three, three for Jesse. That's, yeah. that's yes. for you. Okay, because the dodge roll. Um, coward. Not just that. It's it's a game that's tuned for consoles, and it's tuned for that kind of play session as well. Like where you're just going to sit down for an hour, maybe, and just you know blaze through some stuff and then leave and do something else. It works really, really well for that. So that's really where you've got to start. It's also more accessible. And it explains itself much better than Diablo 2 does. That's part of Diablo yeah. 2's charm, that it doesn't explain anything to you in great depth. But 3 does, and that is is very good. So start and I guess there. Diablo 3 on Switch has been out for a while, so I could probably get it on sale. Lol jokes, it's a Switch game. Yeah. Don't um, worry. I now- bought it on uh, um, a cartridge, so you can borrow it, Jesse. Ah, done. Yes. Done. I'm going to borrow that. Who does that? Now, uh, when we first got the idea for this episode, we are like, we'll do one game each. And Kieran's like, yeah, yeah, cool, do one game each. I'm doing two. Also, and I don't yeah. want to really fight fight him on this, so what's your other okay. game, Kiel? I have to say this, okay, because it's the game that made me go like, yeah, okay, I need to buy a Switch. I walked into EB Games on Swanston Street. They've got the Nintendo experience on the top floor. And you can Love go up place. there. Oh, it's awesome. And there's just like Nintendo consoles set up everywhere. There are Switches, there are 3DSs, there's spaces for people to just sit down and like, I don't know, trade Pokemon cards or some shit. I don't know what Nintendo fans do. So I walked in one day. That's it. Yeah, I can I can confirm that's it. That's it'll be that and playing playing Nintendo games, loving them, but also bitch about them. Oh yeah, that's it. That's fucking hate this. And I played 300 hours off it. Um, so I walked in one day and I walked up to the Switch kiosks and I didn't have one at that time. And I picked it up and you, there are a whole bunch of demos that you can play. This is a Nintendo game, so I'm sorry. I know that we're kind of defeating the oh, thing. Fine. but You're breaking man, all the rules, aren't you? This, this game, this game, it was Mario Tennis Aces. There's a little Mario. demo. You can pick it up. You can play this Mario thing. All of the controllers there had drift problems already, so your oh, character's yeah. just floating <laughs> around the screen and shit like that. But I had so much 
fun. It was just mechanically the most satisfying and enjoyable experience mm-hmm. to the point where I paid $60 for this basic ass game with nothing to it. And I still play it regularly to this day. It is awesome. There's a, there's a campaign, but really not you want to play one. with other people. No, <laughs> no, it's not. It just, it teaches you how to play. What sort and of it's campaign could a tennis game have? What? What sort of campaign really could a tennis game have? Um, I, I was reading reviews and someone described it as um, Infinity War, but with tennis. So it's, it's, not, it's not that. It's not that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Half the characters are to die at the end. It's like, oh, no. You've just got to no, beat no, everyone no, at tennis, basically, and you just go through a, a map, um, Super Mario World. Esque mm. map, and you beat people at tennis at the various. Okay, stages. I think it works the other way and around. There's like there's obstacles in the way. Like there'll mm. be like something blocking you. You serve. Meh, meh. That must be that must be the <laughs> Thanos of the piece. That's the Thanos, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the gauntlet. I, I don't think that person's seen Infinity War. No, <laughs> I didn't think so either. No. Like, okay, I, I I feel like I have to say this on every single podcast. I'm not a big Nintendo person, less of a Mario person, but the sports games have always really intrigued me. One of the reasons I was really happy that you brought this one up is because after seeing the trailer for Mario Golf a few weeks ago at um, the uh, Nintendo Direct, I'm really intrigued by this. I did look a little bit more into some of the, the Mario sports games. Um, and tennis doesn't stand out to me because it looks fun. Like, unpopular this- opinion. Don't yell at me. I don't think Mario Kart is the best game. I think, it, especially when it, like, when it first came out. It has, it has become something here. quite cool. But I think when, if you take the characters out of it, it's a kart game. It's nothing special. However, it seems like Mario Tennis doesn't rely on its characters. It's just solid gameplay. I, I'm really intrigued by this game. Simon looks like he's going to choke me. <laughs> so to be clear, there's a great yes. roster of characters and they're all animated spectacularly and they're all, you know, it's great. It's nice, but they only play slightly differently for the most part they all have like traits like one character will be tricky the other character will be fast the other character will be an all-rounder for instance well, it's kind of like the generic uh, stuff of like the the big big fat characters will be slower than the yeah, small skinny they'll ones they'll be like, the powerful really yeah. ones you know that that's why that's thing. why keelan and i can't play tennis against each other keelan you're the luigi to my mario <laughs> the Lu- oh, that's insulting well okay. uh the, you be yoshi then they're both all-rounders <laughs> Um, Ride around the goddamn mushroom kingdom, won't I? <laughs> <laughs> now what? Don't we what? Play an egg? <laughs> Fuck off! I got nothing. I've actually got nothing. got nothing to that. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Um, so Mario Love Tennis all. is just a mechanically sound game. It feels so good to play, and anyone can pick it up and play. And it's not the kind of like my big frustration with Mario. Uh, cut is like the rubber banding and the fact that like oh anyone can win that's shit if you play bad you deserve to lose okay I if i play good i should win help. <laughs> so in the tennis i can win because it is a, a big part of it is skill based there's also this and whole they need other the element as well because they'll tricks. be sad <laughs> keelan keelan told the, had this exact same speech to the to the seven-year-old next to him in swanson street where you're yeah. first playing the game that's like, why you i lost, was kicked you deserve out to lose. <laughs> oh my gosh that's funny they don't, they don't allow me back there anymore but yeah still are you Basically, excited for golf keelan um no i don't think golf is <laughs> is an exciting concept to me 
Sorry. What about speed golf? <laughs> Throw in the golf. I don't care about the golf. I care about the, what you can do between the rounds of golf. And that includes like running around just causing all sorts of havoc. Mm. It was like that other, there was a golf game on the Switch. It was like Golf Story or something like that. Golf Story? Where, like, well, was I almost where the did golf that one. is fun, but mm. it's everything else you do that's better. Yeah. That was a good game. Maybe be like that. That was a good. Game. I want like Mario Cricket, the gentleman's game. That could be interesting. It Mario goes Olympics. four days. There was a Mario <laughs> soccer rip- game, right? Mario two. Soccer. There was two of them. Um, yeah, Mario Olympics. Mario oh, Strike, Strike Sonic Olympics. Olympics yeah, Mar- so whatever. there was Mario Strikers on the GameCube, which was really fun. And then Mario Strikers Charged Football. Yes, that's the full title on the Wii. Hmm? And I found that the other week at a uh, op shop. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm going to grab this game. So yeah, <laughs> that's a steal. Give me Mario AFL Evolution. All I want. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Honestly, we're talking about real sports here, Jesse. Like actual sports, not. We'll finally have a good yeah. AFL game then. Yeah, I mean that's that's <laughs> that's, true. that's not that's not a lie. Nope. Holy shit! Holy AFL shit! AFL two thousand and seven will be great. No, two thousand four. Two thousand and four. That's that. Two thousand and five is the upcoming. <laughs> two thousand and four was good. It's too easy though. Good year for football. Mm. Well. Do it to the next one. And no, despite me saying, I don't like Mario, this is a Mario game, but it's not a first pass, first pass, it? first party Mario game. This is made by Nintendo and Ubisoft. It's Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. And excuse me, because I will say Battle Kingdom more often than not. Kingdom um, Battle, come on. So, have you ever played XCOM before? Yes, yes. Mm. Sort of. It's Second XCOM, time? but rolled in candy. Okay, it's the same sort of ta- turn-based tactical RPG. Um, you know, you move, attack per turn, um, but it's got a bit more of a focus on team mechanics, and it's set in the the Mushroom Kingdom with Mario and all of his friends, and also the rabbits from Rayman who have become their own sort of entity. Yeah, I used to find really annoying. I used to put them on the yeah. same pedestal as like minions. Yes, like, I was okay, just I about to say they feel the same niche as minions to me mentally. Yeah, and it's like it's like I'm going to see you them used on like Facebook as a meme for like some some, 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 some weird some weirdly racist shit. Your aunt's yeah, it's like oh, why did you pick a minion for that one? That I, I sort of had um, the rabbits in that same bubble, but with this game, it sort of changed that. So before I even hit the gameplay. The coolest part of this game. So you got Mario, Luigi, Peach, and Yoshi. Okay, they're your four main Nintendo crew. They all have rabid versions of themselves. So the rabbits have come to the universe, seen them, and want to emulate them because they're like they're heroes. The best one is Peach. So <laughs> the rabbit Peach goes around with her phone taking selfies everywhere. Even in front of enemies, she'll take a selfie with them and then run away. And it is so it, it toes a line of being annoying, but it just falls into the whole thing of being so charming and fun. They've really let themselves go with like the ridiculous concept of this game. Like it is, it is XCOM, which is quite a serious game. Um, you got Mario and stuff like with guns. Luigi has a sniper rifle. Um, so he's he's finally snapped. And <laughs> then you've got like the rabbits pretending to be everyone. They've embraced the chaos and just created something better than both. To me, at least, both those parts separately. Um, when it comes down to the actual mechanics and the gameplay, one of the things I like about this game a lot um, and made it reset out as a Nintendo game for me is it is fucking hard. 
this game has some infamous difficulty spikes and it is fine with it so the whole like i said earlier the game really relies on team mechanics where you can do a move as mario jump from like peach may throw you in the air you'll land on an enemy and because that enemy is now moved luigi does his overwatch thing i think it's called called overwatch or is it called steely stare steely stare where if an enemy moves he'll take a sniper shot at him so suddenly your one move has stacked and you've attacked like four different things. It's really cool until the enemy start doing that back to you. <laughs> so the first time one of these big rabid thug dudes with these bricks on his back and stuff like that um, comes through and suddenly starts teaming up with his teammates to attack you, they'll bury you. I remember hitting this, this, this wall in the game um, and I normally... If I get to like a you know, difficulty war game, I will just brute force my way through it and eventually I'll get through it because I do not want to develop as a person. Um, this is it one of the few games that ever really forced me to step back and be like, okay, I need to start messing around with other characters in my party. So you've got obviously eight characters, like I mentioned, you could go in with three. And some of them do like healing stuff. One of them got he- some of them are heavy um, with their weaponry, like the rabid peach had a shotgun. Um, they got faster characters like Luigi who does range stuff and blah, blah, blah. And they've all got secondary weapons as well. So some may have a rocket launcher. Um, some have these little cars, like little bomb cars that wheel around and drive around, stuff like that. Um, I had to go back and work at how each one of them play and upgrade them all. I was swapping, towards the end of the game, I was swapping between, between every single match. Every single, whatever you want to call it conflict um between the conflicts there's also like some like basic puzzle shit which is probably the weakest part of the game you control this little like Roomba vacuum cleaner thing yeah and you do like puzzles really simple puzzles which is like a palette cleanse i guess between these fights but it's really unnecessary and it's kind of confusing that you are controlling a, a vacuum cleaner and not that Mario. was that was the hard part you'd always like have your eyes on mario but you wouldn't be controlling mario so you'd always turn like a little too early, or <laughs> a little too late, sorry. So have we all played it? No, yes. I haven't actually. Because um, Keelan's got my copy of it, you yes. bastard. <laughs> Simon's highly it, recommend this, dude. Yeah, it, it's one of those games that has always been on my radar. And when it was first announced and first coming out, I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe not, I'll see. And then all, all of the reviews have come out and said, oh, no, this is actually really fun. It's, you know, this, that, and the other. It's so inventive with the gameplay and, you know, um, it does get quite challenging, blah, blah, blah. And then the DLC came out and I was going to pick up the... Um, the Hold up. Sorry, what came out? The DLC. There's a DLC for this game? The yeah, Donkey there's a Kong DLC. One, yeah, the Donkey Kong one. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'll get it back to you soon, Jesse. Don't worry. Don't, don't freak out. <laughs> I feel like I'm in that meme. You know that meme? It's like in like Russia and they're at a nightclub and there's a news reporter telling some kid like some good news. I don't know what it's oh, about. Yeah. And he goes back and he starts dancing. Yeah. I feel like him right now. Are you shitting me that there's DLC for this game? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. DLC. It's a Donkey Kong based one. It's actually really good. Wrap it up. Uh-huh. Wrap it up. Keelan, keep my copy. I'm going to buy another one. <laughs> I'm um, pumped. Thank you for yeah, that. There is a version of the game that's available which includes the DLC. I think it was like the gold version or something like that it came it's got a gold cover i can't remember what the fuck it's called um but yeah um when that came out i was like yes right i need to grab it and then just didn't have the money to pay for it at all so it's one of those games 
It's one of those games I'm like, right, I definitely need to grab it, definitely need to play it, but yeah, I just need to allocate the time. The the reason I got it is because the basically the the game reviewers and people who work for different outlets and stuff like that, the gaming personalities, uh, I really value their opinion online. Um, They were having glowing reviews of this game. Basically saying, if you like XCOM, which I love XCOM, but I'm shit at it. I love the concept of it. If you like it, this is somehow more XCOM than the latest XCOMs have been. <laughs> um, and I just thought, I don't have many Switch games, because this is kind of early in the in the cycle. I had to get it. Can I just jump in and say that, that for me, the, the best thing about this is the writing. Like, it was surprisingly was witty fun. and, like, incisive and, like, just really, it was fun. And I enjoyed going through the story, like, I was not expecting that with this Mario Rabbids game. Yeah, exactly. Also, exactly right. Um, in in terms of the music, I think it was Grant Kirkhope, the composer that was responsible for Banjo Kazooie, um, and a few of those other like That's classic, why it's so good. Okay, rare mm-hmm. games. Um, yeah, Grant Kirkhope was uh, the composer for that. Um, so they brought him on board, and also I want I want to give a shout out specifically to one of the to uh, I think the project director, which is Davide Soliani. Because uh, that you man, teed up? huh? Is he the one who teed up when it was announced? Yes, when when oh, it won magical. when it won one of the game awards, and he cried about it and was like super happy. Was it the game awards? Or was it when it was first? I think it was when it was first announced at E3. Could have been both. It could have been both. <laughs> could have been um, both. <laughs> but yeah, um, I remember he, seeing that, and it's like it, it didn't make any sense to me when I first saw it because he's tearing up. I was like, you tearing up over a rabbit's game, yeah, dude. D- like, what's that about? But and then I play. I'm like, I, I get it. Like, this is. He fought to have so that fun. game made. Like he created this concept, only had the rabbits in it at first, and then turned to Nintendo and went, "Hey, I've got an idea." And they were like, mm, "Maybe not." And he was like, "Bear with me." Went and created the models for the uh, for the Mario characters himself. He went and specifically created them. He didn't use any of the reference material that Nintendo had sent him or anything they like sued that. Him. He- uh, yeah, and they, they got angry, and they were like, "What the fuck have you done?" And he was like, well "Just, just trust me." And they showed it to Miyamoto. And Miyamoto's like, "I like this. It's pretty cool." It is pretty ballsy being like, "Hey, Nintendo, you know your um your beloved character." I gave Here's him a, a gun. gun. <laughs> I gave him a gun. Um, I think that was the one thing I think Miyamoto criticized was like, "Hey, make the guns maybe a little bit more cartoony, please." <laughs> just imagine like an AK. <laughs> <laughs> I was like the idea Rocket of like, launcher. like when, when they when they like saw it first and they got mad they they sued him was like excuse me you've done fan art of our characters with weaponry and he's like have you been on DeviantArt mm. <laughs> have you seen what your characters are doing okay <laughs> this, this gun is the is the best thing that happened to Yoshi this week okay <laughs> just let him be um highly recommend this game for anyone just just everyone like I I've recommended it to a fair few people. And everyone who's played it was like, oh, okay. This is fun. It's just a fun... You can almost play like a puzzle game. That's what it is. You can play it in a small little burst where you're doing one matchup at a time. Um, Great assortment of enemies. And yeah, Keelan, you bring up a really good point. The writing is just sharp. It is... It's more Rabbids comedy than Nintendo, like Mario comedy. And it just works so well because it's... It's the rabbits almost knowing that they are like a laughably dumber characters yeah. than the Nintendo stock. Um, and it's just great. But 
with that, we should start wrapping up. Um, so, hey, there are reasons to, there are other Nintendo games to play to celebrate the four year anniversary of pretty fucking good console. A pretty damn good console. I, it's up there for me. It's the best Nintendo console I've ever played. I love it. And in uh, a couple of weeks, the um, Monster Hunter Rise Nintendo Switch is coming out. I'm looking forward to that bad boy. I like how you, you found a way to mention Monster, Monster Hunt, <laughs> Hunter. Hmm, sounds a bit violent to me. I, I specifically avoided mentioning that because otherwise I would still be talking about it. 100%. We would have to cut yeah. your mic and not just yeah. your internet. But yeah. if you do want to hear Simon's thoughts coming up or in the past because time's a flat circle and he's spoken about Monster Hunter and all the whole thing, um, we are on Spotify <laughs> and iTunes. So subscribe and leave us a review. Um, as always, big thank you to Fan Critical Podcast Network for their support. And if you want to hear an interview I had with the the host of Fan Critical, Len, about a game that's close to his heart, um, Shadow the Colossus, you can go back and check it out. Episode of Love Letters, which is a new show, was a new monthly show we've started. Where I interview a bit of a one-on-one interview with content creators about games that are very special to them, um, just like beyond purely gameplay itself. Uh, if you want to keep up to date with all the gaming news, storymodegaming.com. You can catch us on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at storymodeoz. You can also catch us on Twitch, um, which we are recording this live on. You can catch us um, every Sunday at 6.30, Australian Eastern Standard Time. Watch that live, or we come out on Tuesday on the podcast. Make sure you follow us there at storymodeoz. Um, and we're also on Patreon, just search for Fan Critical. Chuck a couple of coins our way and you'll get access to all sorts of bonus goodies. But with that, I'm I'm in a rush now because I'm going to go download this DLC. <laughs> You're very welcome. You, you, you actually made my day with that. I did not know that. <laughs> so, Simon, Lorne, Keelan, always a pleasure. Um, everyone on watching us on Twitch, thank you for that as well. Everyone listening, thank you for listening. Um, stay safe, play some games. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.